0: Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. This is our second episode in the co-pilot series where we can chat about making the plant-based lifestyle more doable, especially while facing a lot of the challenges and roadblocks we all sort of experience, especially early on in our journey when we're trying to get healthy and lose weight. Today's guest is a fabulous dietitian. From the moment we met via email, I knew that she was a kindred spirit. We both struggled with overeating and acne and skin issues and kind of dealing with that, and it's especially hard as women. So we'll be talking a lot about these topics in today's show, plus sort of the things that we've done to get better with those issues. And our guest lives in Alaska, so she'll be sharing all kinds of great tips for making it work when you don't live in a big city, you know, if you're not in LA or New York or Chicago, and you know, also when your neighbors might look at you sideways for eating chickpeas. So please join me in welcoming Adrian.
1: Hi, Adrian. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me.
0: So, one of the big topics today that everyone was really excited, all the members were asking tons and tons of questions about was overeating. And when you and I have emailed in the past, that's something we both struggled with. And even when we kind of were at a healthy weight, you would look at us and you wouldn't think that we're overeaters. And that's a big thing. You know, you can't look at someone and know their, how their health is, because healthy comes in all different shapes and sizes, and you can never kind of know what someone's struggling with just by looking at them. But you and I, even after we lost weight, even after we felt good about ourselves, we still really struggled with overeating, and that's something I find is common with a lot of the meal plan members, and one of the reasons they love the meal plan so much is because they know exactly what to eat. The portions and sizes are all there for them, so they're not guessing, And one big thing that a lot of people kept saying over and over when I asked the members what they wanted us to talk about was this one thing. I'm just going to read what Larry said because I think it's so accurate. And, and and I know you and I have talked about this a lot is he says, so many people say that you can eat as much as you want without gaining any weight as long as you eat, you know, healthy plant based foods. And he says that doesn't correspond with my experience where I gain weight by mindlessly eating, you know, these perfect foods. Even though I eat perfectly and I'm only eating, you know, vegetables, I'm still gaining weight. So why is it that people say you can eat all you want and not gain weight? And I still do anyway. And Beth also chimed in and said the same thing that when she leaves the meal plans, she gains weight, even though she continues to eat, you know, only healthy foods. She's not going out and, you know, eating like cheese burgers or milkshakes or something she's still eating perfect but she's gaining weight but when she comes back to the meal plan she loses and she realized for her it's this portion control she's overeating and i know that's something you experienced and i experienced too that even when we were eating you know Perfectly, We were still eating too much. We were overeating. For me, I remember once I grabbed a bag of baby carrots and I started just kind of mindlessly munching on them while looking online. And then I stuck my hand in the bag and was horrified and shocked that there were no more carrots. Like, where did they all go? And it's because I ate them. And um, so that was like something I was experiencing when I was recognizing myself as an overeater. And it was why I wasn't losing weight, even though like, you know, Larry and Beth said, they tell you, well, as long as you eat whole foods, you won't. Gain weight, but um, I still did, and I know that's what you did. So, what kind of tell us about your experience?
1: Yeah, I think sticking to a meal plan is so helpful. Um, and I don't know, I didn't necessarily gain, I didn't gain a ton of weight except when I was eating things that were like more nuts and seeds and dried fruit mm-hmm. and things like that. Is when I noticed it more. Because um, you can, like, I think. I think one thing is sticking to the meal plans and keeping a food journal if you feel like that the problems that we're having and that these people are having right now. Um, because sometimes we don't realize, like you said, we mindlessly eat. We don't realize what we're actually doing. And writing things down or having that plan that's really specific. Um, but yeah, so since I've kind of let go of the of the more of the dry fruits and the nuts. Um, I've noticed that my weight's been a lot more stable and I've never been overweight. I mean, if I was eating pretty healthy and I, and, and for me, I haven't really gained a ton. It was more when I was probably eating um, more processed vegetarian type foods mm-hmm. that I was, um, that I, when I was getting a little bit. Um, but here, off my uh, it's okay. I love
0: that you mentioned a food journal because that's always been very telling for me because I too always considered myself sort of really mindful, but then I started keeping a food journal and I realized just how many times a day I would just like eat a bite of my friend, you know, she was offering me, oh, do you want to taste something? Or maybe I would, I was at work and I would walk by the candy jar a couple of times and I'd pop some candy and I wouldn't even think about it. But then when I started writing it down, I realized just how much I really was eating it was way more than I thought. Like even cooking at dinner, I was like, there's one thing to like taste a little bit to make sure, you know, your dish is coming out the way you want. But I was having like four and five and six spoonfuls and that's not tasting. That's like snacking pre-dinner. And I love that you pointed out the food journal because that was something that was extremely informative to me because you know, I had, I, it's just like those things didn't count because they were too small to like stick in my mind or something. Did you have that experience?
1: Yes, definitely keeping a food journal, and then and then if you are having that problem, you want someone else to kind of problem solve with you. Writing everything down is so helpful. Otherwise, we just don't know. I mean, you could be think you're eating, you know, plant perfect, and maybe there are some things in there that could be causing a problem. That's a really great point
0: too, because a lot of times when I'm counseling the members one on one, you know, they'll tell me they're following the plan perfectly, and we'll keep talking, and finally after like. You know, 30 minutes or three or four emails. They'll say, well, I am having, you know, a glass of wine three or four nights a week, or Mm I do sometimes eat a candy bar. And it's like, well, uh, if they had the food journal, they would know because it would have been written right there. But sometimes it takes a while of us just talking for them to realize, oh gosh, there is this hidden culprit or, oh, you know, I haven't really been checking this dressing that I've been using. And oh my gosh, it has so much oil and sugar in it. What? Yeah. And one thing you also um, pointed out earlier was you said that you really started watching the dried fruits and the nuts and seeds. And that was a big thing for me too, is I was, I would often gain weight or um, my weight wasn't as stable as it normally is when I was letting in these high fat foods because there, there's just so many calories and so much fat in avocados or nuts and seeds. And so, you know, you can have like one tablespoon of peanut butter and it's just, it's a lot of calories in such a little tablespoon versus, you know, you could have like so many more carrots or tomatoes or something like that. And the dried fruits the same way. And I used to snack on raisins and I realized one day when I was starting to food journal that I could could eat sometimes as many as like five and 600 calories of raisins as a snack and it didn't even really fill me up so i switched to grapes
1: yeah and those would come after i would eat a meal like that would be my dessert mm-hmm. i think i would have um i'd have a meal and then i would for quite a while there i'd do like um the, like the jewel face and those big dates and they're soft and i would open them up and take the pit out and i put a few um like dark chocolate chips or you know non-dairy ones and the uh, like a few peanuts and i make like a homemade, it, to me it was like a Snickers bar, you know, it just, it tasted really good. Right. But doing that consistently over time, after my meal, adding those extra, you know, and then sometimes I would just, I'd eat, you know, I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. A lot of those foods, the problem is they're so good. And yep. That you can't stop is the problem too. Like, so for me, I had to, I had to keep those things out of the house. Like almond butter is something that I, if it's in the cupboard, I know it's there. And a lot of times I would just have that for a meal, like that on rice cake with, you know, sliced banana or whatever. It was healthy, but it was like a, it was a food, a very addictive food to me. Something I couldn't say no to something. I couldn't stop eating very easily. Um, so when I don't have it around, it's so much easier. I just don't pick it up at the store. Um, I find other things to eat. I just don't go there. Um, Yeah. I'm so glad you said
0: that. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I think that's true for a lot of people. It's true in our home too. My, husband has the same struggle as you with peanut butter and almond butter. And so we just don't have it in the house because it will sit there and call him and he'll eat it and he'll put it on everything. And it's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why he had difficulty losing the last bit of his weight and gained some back. So we just, like you said, don't have it in the house. Chocolate's another thing because I, I love chocolate. I also am obsessed with dehydrated mango. I don't think anything tastes better in the whole world than dehydrated mango. And every time I bring it home and I tell myself, okay, I'm just going to have one serving. I'm Have one piece. I eat the whole bag. I just, I'm a perfectly reasonable person, (laughs) (laughs) but not with dehydrated mango. And like you said, it's just so good that I just can't stop myself. I have to just keep eating it because it tastes so good. And um,
1: yeah, so for like the average person, dehydrated mango might not be bad. Right. You'll have a little bit and it's fine. So it's just those foods that for you are a trigger. Right. Continue to overeat on them, or you can't say no them, or you'll eat that instead of other things. Yeah, you know, yeah, so exactly, yeah. Because like I don't do that with asparagus, right?
0: <laughs> like I just I don't, and um, yeah. It's just I'm am so glad you said that, and that's your experience because I definitely hear that also with members, and it it de- it does tend to be like dates or you know raisins or. P- peanut butter and almond butter are always big ones and, and the chocolate too. But I do think there's other things. Like, like I said, for me, it's dehydrated mangoes. I would pick dehydrated mango over chocolate and peanut butter any day of the week. That, that's just me. I know a lot of other people can eat it without a problem. But I, like you said, I think that's so intuitive of knowing yourself and what it, what you can and can't help yourself with. One of my members that I was talking to this morning, for her, it's Cheerios. She just can't stop eating Cheerios. And um, I mean, obviously that's better than potato chips, but you know, and potato chips actually reminds me of another member who said that she could actually, she would cry eating the bag of potato chips because she didn't want to eat the potato chips and she, she wanted to stop eating the potato chips, but she couldn't because she, they were such a trigger for her and she just like likes the taste of them so much. And I even joke with my husband sometimes at dinner, and you know, he'll be getting seconds or third. And I'm like, okay, I know this is a compliment. Are you really still hungry? Or are you just eating it because it's tasty in your mouth? And he's like, cause it's tasty. And I mean <laughs> yeah. that's that's still with healthy food, and it's a compliment in some ways. But at the same time, he didn't need a third serving of dinner. He was plentiful. And I do that too. I'll just keep eating stuff because it's so good. Like if I If I sit down with a bag of grapes, I will eat the whole bag of grapes. I have to take a portion of grapes, put them in the bowl, put the rest of the grapes away, and then go have them. Um, And that's one of the ways I, like, sort of contain myself is I physically use that container because I will eat the bottom of that grape bag.
1: Yep. And so you mentioned, you know, the unhealthy patterns of food and just not feeling good. It's like these are healthy foods. Anyone else? You know, someone who ate unhealthy would think we're crazy talking about... Right. Know, mangoes. But it's like, it just didn't feel good. Like, w- when you overeat, even on healthy stuff, you feel bloated, you feel tired, just uh, unmotivated. You know, so it's like going through life like that when you're continuing to overeat. mm mm-hmm. And yeah, it creates this really unhealthy pattern.
0: And you get mad at yourself too, you know. You oh, yeah. beat your—I know I do. I beat myself up. Like, why couldn't you stop? You know, that's just so stupid. Why'd you do that? And um, and then I'm mad too because I know I just ate like three thousand calories of dehydrated mangoes, and I'm like, well, great, I just ruined myself for the week. And then I'm mad at myself even more. And it's like I could have just all avoided that if I didn't buy the dehydrated mango. Just not
1: buying them, and then listening to your body. And you talk a lot about mindless eating, and so not eating in front of the TV mm-hmm. or you know, out of the bag. So really being conscious about what you're eating and listening to your body. So like, what's helped me too is if I'm not watching TV or I'm not, and I'm just eating and all of a sudden, as soon as I feel full, stopping right then, like mm-hmm. even if there's a couple bites left on the plate, because like yep. everybody's like, you know, oh, you got to finish that. Or I, sometimes I think, oh, well, I can just finish a couple more bites, you know, but it's like just stopping as soon as soon as soon as I feel full. And putting that um, food in a container and sticking it in the fridge if it's enough or just throwing that couple bites away, i feel much better in the end than finishing it, you know, and getting in that pattern of just finishing everything.
0: And I think a lot of us got into that from our parents or grandparents or someone telling us to finish our plate. And so we feel like we have to finish our plate. And so I think, like you said, that's such a great idea to just stop and kind of, Get over that mental barrier that we have of, Oh, I have to finish it because it's on my plate. I have to, cause I know I'm like you. It's the same way. I'll see the food that's on my plate and I'll just eat it anyway, even though I'm already full. I've already had enough to eat. I'll just shove it down anyway. But I've like you, I've started to try to just put it aside into its own little container. And you know what? If I'm hungry in 15 or 20 minutes, then I'll finish what was on my plate. But more often than not, not I go off and I do something else and I totally forget that I even have that little container in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I love that really kind of stopping. And I, too, had to stop eating. We used to eat dinner in front of the television. I have so little time in my day that I almost never get to watch TV. And so I would try to eat dinner while watching, you know, my favorite shows or whatever. And then I had like the baby carrot moment. I had sat down with three sweet potatoes and like I poured some chili and some other stuff on top of them. And it was the second commercial break. And I looked down and realized that I had eaten everything on my plate and had no memory of it. And I was like, see, I need to just, when I eat my food, eat my food. And this is something that really kind of hit me when I started living in Europe, is that they, especially the French, is that they eat. They don't even walk and eat. They don't walk down the street and eat a sandwich. They sit on a step step or a bench and sit there and take their time and eat and enjoy their sandwich. And uh, I was like, oh, I really (laughs) don't do that. And so I've really kind of, like you said, I just focus on eating so that I know that moment when I'm full. And it's really helped me because I hate I hate sitting on the couch feeling like bloated and like needing to go put on my fat pants as I call them because I'm so uncomfortable that I can't even wear my jeans anymore because I've overeaten so much
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and sometimes it's recreational or boredom eating yep too where it's just like you don't have you know, you have the evening and you're just like, Oh, I don't have anything else to do. And eating is just kind of a thing to fill up time, too. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot. Um, I think if people are looking at, you know, what's the, what's the food like filling for me, too? Like, you know, am I bored? Am I lonely? Am I disconnected? Do I need to get more? Am I just like not exercising enough? Is that something that would, you know, take up more of the time? Um, you know, what do I really want to be – I love Janine Ross. Have you heard of her? Mm-hmm, yes. She does a lot of stuff around yeah. emotions because, you know, it's like, um, what do I really want to be doing right now? What is food taking the place of? I think all of those things, thinking about that too, um, what food is filling in our life because when we're just overeating and eating all the time and having such a hard time turning it off, it's like, well, yeah. what else do we need to be doing?
0: Yeah, that actually, we were, um, I was having like a really bad day. I guess it was about two months ago. I'd gotten in a fight with my publisher and I was in just a really awful mood. And I actually turned to my husband and said, I want to go eat my emotions. And it was because I knew, what I really wanted was I wanted to go get vegan ice cream. And I knew that was my way of eating my emotions. But I thought maybe if I said it out loud, it would deter me. <laughs> um, it didn't. And, but I didn't <laughs> eat, I, I wouldn't eat a frozen banana and that kind of helped. But I, it, it's exactly what you are saying is um, I, I was like let's go get ice cream and it, it really what it was is I just probably needed to cry or vent or something like that and um, another story I love to retell is one of our members was home visiting her mom and um, they're just like in the kitchen and they were talking and her mom turned to her all of a sudden and said I'm bored let's eat and it was like her eye opening experience but this, it's really true how often I think we eat to suppress our emotions or because we're bored and it's just something we can do
1: Mm-hmm. So much, yeah, I think I got in a habit, like, in college, like, on my way home from school, like, you know, not having anything planned for the rest of the day, or the evening, or whatever, and it was just like, the first thing I thought about was like, what am I going to eat? And it was like, mm-hmm. I just, you know, as soon as I came in, it was like, I just wanted to eat and to fill that space of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm alone, you know, whatever. So, yeah, really being aware of that and then trying to put things in your life that you, you know, want to be doing. <laughs>
0: So let's talk a few more about sort of uh, containment methods because a lot of members ask questions. How do you stop yourself from overeating? Like, okay, we know we're doing it. And, of course, figuring out why we're doing it, like you said, such as the emotional or maybe you realize you shouldn't eat out of a bag or in front of the TV. These things are very helpful in containing. One of the things for me is, like yourself, I was would eat a whole meal – and then I would have a dessert. I would eat after my meal. And so one way that I stopped myself is I started to brush my teeth. And I found that when I brushed my teeth, especially with like a minty kind of mouth, so I didn't want to eat. It like turned me off from eating. And so that usually helped me not eat after a meal. And so that was one of my barriers. And then another two was, and I picked this up from a conference I was at, is um I keep like an apple or celery in my fridge and so I realized if I'm not hungry enough to eat the apple of celery, like if I'm pushing my hand past and I'm rooting through my pantry and my freezer looking for something else, that I'm probably not actually hungry and I'm just like looking for something to do or just looking to put something really tasty in my mouth. Because I mean, if I was really, truly hungry, like I was starving, ready to eat, I would eat that celery or that apple with no problems. Of course, these are not trigger foods for me. I know maybe someone else might feel differently. I just don't like apples and I don't really like celery. If you love apples and celery, Maybe it's green beans for you, but that was, um, something that really helped me a lot. And then of course, like you, we talked about portioning out my food, putting food away when I'm done eating stuff like that. What, um, what are some of your containment
1: methods? And I think even, excuse me, even eating that first, like telling yourself, well, I can have something else, but I'm going to eat this apple first. Mm -hmm. And by the time you eat that apple, a lot of times it's filling enough or it's enough that you're just like, okay, well that, that kind of did it for me. Um, Having too much variety I think is really a downfall um, for me and probably for a lot of people, but um, I read somewhere that when you are eating one, maybe like a savor, one type of food and then you switch to another type of food and then you switch to another, you know, if you switch to different types uh-huh. of food, you too much variety that it's like you can start eating all over again with that new taste. Um, and I, I totally agree with that. And when I have too much variety, um, I tend to overeat or when you're it's like dessert is another thing where it's like you've eaten this whole meal and then you switch and now you're eating the sweet thing. It's like, you could, it's like you could have been full but you can start eating all over again. It's like you have this new reserve of stomach.
0: That's and true. Because if you go to a restaurant and you pig out and you're so stuffed, you're like, oh, I can't eat anymore. And then the dessert comes. Amazingly, there's suddenly more room for the chocolate cake but there was not more room for the salad.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you're still hungry, like I do this all the time where I'll start eating something else, like for whatever reason. But if I'm still hungry, I'll say, okay, I'm going to eat more of whatever. If I'm still hungry, I'm going to eat more of whatever I made for this meal, you know, this main food type thing. Um, because when I tend to eat a bunch of different things, that's when I just continue to eat meat and don't really feel, feel satisfied a lot of times, even though I've eaten enough. Um, keeping food out of sight, keeping a you know, a clean and organized kitchen and where food's not sitting out all the time, I think is really helpful. Yes, yeah, definitely. Out of sight, for sure. Mm-hmm. The more snacky food, laying around, like when I go to my sister, she always has food. I just out and the kids have cereal boxes open. And it's yep. so much harder to be in control when the food's just all over the place.
0: I was just reading a study that said if you have cereal on the counter, you'll weigh 20 pounds more than someone who doesn't have cereal on the counter. And it's just because it's so easy to just constantly put this tasty thing in your mouth instantly. Um, and I noticed that when I started putting the cereal in our pantry, because like you, I cleaned my kitchen, so nothing is out except for some limes and lemons to encourage us to drink water. Um, I, my family wasn't eating the cereal anymore. And we were going through boxes, boxes and boxes every week when they were on top of the fridge. And now we don't even buy it because no one eats it because it's up in the cabinet.
1: And that's so much easier to overeat on because it's more processed. It's like it's mm-hmm. not as filling. I think um, having, you know, eating mini meals for me was helpful if I was hungry. Like um, times at work between like when lunch and dinner is a long, a long span or... Um, just wasn't – lunch wasn't enough to hold me over. And I like the mini meals instead of snack because it's like you're eating real food versus like, snacky. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really helpful to keep – and knowing that I could have that little bit and, you know, or that little meal type thing, then it would keep me from being starving when I got home. And whenever you get to that point of where you're over-hungry, oh, my goodness, that's when, like – Oh, forget
0: it. It's like whatever. no holes, bars. Like, I yes. just – oh. No, if when I do that, when I get to that point, um, I usually make myself, like you said, eat an apple or a little something and then wait 15 minutes and then eat my meal because otherwise I will eat to the point of absolute total discomfort because I just can't. I'm and it, what it is, is like I'll eat the food, but the hunger doesn't go away instantly. You know, you keep eating and eating and eating and eating. And so it, you're just like trying to like push it and push us uh, just it ends up so, so badly. Um, and one other thing that's interesting too is like the variety thing, but I've also found with a lot of our members that, uh, a lack of variety, then they get in a rut and then they go and make bad choices because they become apathetic. So it definitely seems like there needs to be some kind of a balance. Maybe the key is not to have too much variety at any one mealtime. And that's what I try to do. I try to not have like... Like Thanksgiving is a big problem for me, not only in because it's like the gluttony bowl in and of itself, but because there's so many options on the table that I like want to taste them all and then I want to taste them all again. And then it's like you said, every time I switch to a new item from the table, I'm like, oh, my palate's reset. Oh, let me eat the sweet potatoes. Oh, let me eat the savory kale. And it's just like, oh, man. So so I've definitely kind of gotten into, like, less slides and more of my main meal. Because like you said, if you've already had, you know, your big bowl of tomato soup with all these vegetables and beans in it, and you're still kind of feeling like you want to eat more, are you going to eat more of the soup you just had? No, yeah, right. maybe yeah, that's your I mean, stopping point.
1: Right. right, right. That doesn't sound so good, but then if you think, well, I'll have my dates and nuts. Well, Whoa, I'm oh yeah, suddenly yeah. I
0: got room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you're right,
1: having... Variety is important, and so, yeah, don't confuse that with, you know, um, not, you know, having less variety overall because, yeah, it's totally. We got to keep it um, fresh, you know, and try new things and season things well. We don't want – it doesn't need to be a glam, boring diet for sure.
0: Yeah. You don't have to just eat lentils and rice to to while you're overeating. Right. No. Um, let's see. Let's see some of the other questions that people had. Um, and we talked a little bit about this too, but this was a common uh, comment, like why do I need to snack right after I finish my dinner or why do I need to snack right after a meal? And as you were saying, you know, it's, it could be that you're just looking for more of that flavor sensory or that taste sensory for something different. And I do love that idea. Well, if I just had green beans at dinner, if I'm still hungry, I'll just eat more green beans. And if the green beans aren't looking so good, then... Maybe, but why why is it that you think that we want to snack right after a meal, even though we're clearly not hungry, we just had a meal.
1: I think that happens often when a meal is just not that fast, like it just didn't hit the spot. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot of times. I'm just like, Oh, that just didn't do it for me. You know? And it's so <laughs> right. like it just didn't have the flavor, it just it wasn't what I was, you know, needing or whatever. And so then I'll be still look I was looking I'm still looking to fill that whatever it was that I needed at that time. So yeah, I think if something isn't working for you, like, switch and eat something else, you know, don't eat that whole meal of something that just not tasting right, doesn't taste good, you're not going to be satisfied at the end of it, and then go and still try to find something else afterwards.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, because I've definitely had that too, where it's like this isn't like scratching the itch or whatever it was for me. One thing that helps for me is I find if I eat a potato, like even just half of a potato, because potatoes are so unbelievably satiating, that seems to help for me a lot is just to have like that little bit of starch kind of usually calms me down. Because sometimes you don't know what's going to hit the spot either. Like if you maybe were craving spicy foods and you add a little spice, maybe it'll help you out. But that that's a really great...
1: That's a really that's great thing. Yeah, that's kind of, that's a point. tough one. Sometimes it's, it's just hard to know what you're, what, yeah, but I just had those meals where it's like, you eat them and you're like, wow, that was really <laughs> like just, you Yeah. Know, like, so then you're like, kind of digging through the coverage for something that just feels like it's going to fill that need. And yeah, I think, I don't know, you just made me think about that, I guess, but just kind of stopping if something's really not doing it instead of eating more and more of it. You know, hmm that's available. At, you know, at me on finding what what is more satisfying as long as it's within healthy guidelines. You
0: know. Yeah, absolutely. Another question we got um, a few times from members was that. Can uh you guys share coping strategies to deal with feeling like I'm still hungry even though I'm not? And we've been talking a lot about this through the whole podcast already. But for me, um, one of the big things that has really helped tremendously is I have to say out loud, I'm not hungry, but I'm going to eat this anyway. And it is amazing. Even when I am home alone and nobody is here to judge me except for the paintings on my wall, I still can't do it. Except there is one exception that I discovered, and this was before I was I was plant based, is candy corn. I apparently have no regard, even in front of a whole room of people. I will say out loud, "I am not hungry," and eat it anyway, and put candy corn in my mouth. It was the, it's the funniest thing. I don't know why. I, it's I think it's because it's so sugary and it's just it's like crack. But um, it's, even when I'm home alone, I just can't seem to make myself say, I, "I'm not gonna." I'm just going to eat it anyway. Um, so that's been a definite coping strategy for me in addition to, of course, brushing my teeth. And as you said, oh, if I'm not going to eat the green beans, I'm not hungry. Have you had any kind of coping strategies that work for you?
1: That's a great point. And my friend talked about her husband pre-smoking with that method kind of – because their words are really powerful, mm-hmm. you know? And like um, he would say even like if he was going to have a cigarette before he had it, be be like, I'm, I'm not a smoker yeah, but like saying that um out loud, like and i I, I like ha, haven't really disciplined myself to do it consistently, but you know I'm not an overeater. Yes, saying that before you start eating, I'm not an overeater. words are powerful,
0: that's amazing words are really powerful and it's also because then you sort of do that self-fulfilling prophecy you're you know re-identifying in a way and it's kind of resetting your brain and how you think about yourself and what you're doing and um yeah you're right it's so powerful to talk out loud and uh, say it to yourself and if you you know you are embarrassed you could always just go say it to yourself in the bathroom with the fan on you know if you were in a, a household situation but i've i've really gotten to that thing where you know okay i have to say this out loud and it makes me feel better i think there's a, a real profound thing in like Alcoholics Anonymous and also Overeaters Anonymous too. When you say you know, hi, I'm Lindsay and I'm an alcoholic. You know, I think there's a reason why that is so effective, and that's what what you're saying exactly here is yeah. such a beautiful you know affirmation. And we
1: tend not, I mean, we tend to hide things. We all want to, we want to look like we're perfect and have everything under control. The more we, we say that out loud, the more we're real and we share it with people and, even you know, with your friends or your coworkers, the people around you all the time, letting them know, hey, this is a problem for me. I'm starting to work on it. This is how you can help me. Um, this is what I need when I'm, you know, like this. Um, you're not always going to, you know, be perfect after that. But having that help and reaching out, is, you're going to be more successful than if you're hiding it and trying to yes. tackle it all on your own. Writing your goals down, writing your exact, you know, being really specific and putting that on your fridge or something, um, exactly what you're um, looking to gain and what you want to see happen from all of this. um, That helps set the brain to on a specific path. I think being really specific about what we want.
0: And a great point that you made, too, is that there is no shame in seeking help. You know, we do all think that we have to be perfect, but none of us are perfect. If, I mean, let's just be honest about that. And it takes a strong will and a certain amount of bravery to ask for help or to admit you need help. And so we should be proud of those things. We should be proud that, we, you know, we're strong enough to say, hey, I am imperfect. I'm doing my best. But could you help me a little bit? I love
1: that about you. I love like those vlogs that we're so really honest I was just like wow I don't know as a dietitian, especially it's like you feel like you should have you shouldn't have any flaws in the food area you should be eating perfectly mm-hmm. you know but reading that stuff, I was just like wow I don't think I've been that honest with people or I don't know if I could yet you know I don't know reading that I was just like that's awesome like just sharing your Like little obsessions and stuff. Yeah. (laughs)
0: So you know. But it was freeing. It was so liberating to talk about my, you know, yo-yo dieting and the power brownies have over me. And I was really nervous when I did it. And then I just felt so liberated, like, oh I said it. You know? (laughs) It was like it was like a good sneeze. You know how you feel after you've had a really good sneeze? It's like, oh, I feel so clean and refreshed. And it was Uh, But yeah, I do encourage people to to be honest and show your flaws. And other people love it. You know, I've always had really amazing positive feedback. People thanking me for my transparency, and it's uh, it means a lot. But mostly, I think that um, when my friends come to me and tell me things that maybe they're are private or they're embarrassed about. I always feel a stronger connection to them and I always can tell that they feel better because they got to tell somebody. And so I always encourage people to do that. And one of the things with premium membership of the meal plans is we actually have a private Facebook group and it's my favorite place because it's so supportive and people are so honest. I mean, we'll we'll sometimes talk about, you know, poop. <laughs> like, I mean, all conversations are possible. But, you know, you need to talk about these things because sometimes something happens and you're not really sure what to do about it and you got to ask someone. And um, But yeah, there's no shame in having help or needing help. Or getting help, and um, that's I hope. Yeah, and I, I know you tell all of your clients that. And I'm glad they come to you, but there are so many more people who don't speak up or don't seek out help. And um, there's no shame. Do it. Get get some help if you need it. And it's okay to say out loud that you're struggling. Because I do. I um, I'll you know I'll say, oh, I'm so struggling. I really want to eat that, but I know it's not healthy for me. And um, I think that's true of anyone that has any kind of. We all have our struggles. They're all different. Um, so I think we've kind of beaten our overeating horse, but, um, one thing also that you and I both have in common is acne. I had horrible, embarrassing acne for years and I sometimes wouldn't leave my house. I went to every kind of doctor, dermatologist, tried every cream, ointment, everything. Nothing worked for me until I cleaned up my diet and I just, I refused to almost believe that was even it. Um. And even my own dermatologist never suggested diet to me, but dairy was a big thing for me. As soon as I cut dairy out of my diet, my skin cleared. It wasn't perfect. It was better. But then when I cut out oil, my skin really got better. And then when I really started watching the food I was eating, eating you know more of the water-based foods, more of the vegetables and the fruits and the legumes, and really kind of watching the nuts and seeds, my skin just... Cleared beautifully and, and you and I had talked about this a little bit in an email and you were changing around your diet to see how it affected your skin so why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences
1: oh my goodness it has been <laughs> the bane of my existence like I literally started getting developing acne I think in like third grade when I look oh gosh at my, little, my little school pictures I'm just like, Mom, Like seriously, I have some holes in the (laughs) spine, but it was just seriously. It's been something that has never left my you know conscious. It's just, and every time you look in the mirror, and it's just, and I was I was basically raised vegetarian. I mean, I was raised pretty healthy, and um, but vegetarian. Well, in my house, and as you know, vegetarian can be pretty unhealthy. Right. Like I would go to my friend's house, and and her mom had the strong man deliver. On a regular basis, so it was, like, ice cream sandwiches and, uh, you know, push-up pops and mozzarella sticks and cheese curds. And, so it was all vegetarian. But, you know, a couple of years, uh, probably, I mean, it probably was, like, in the 6th or 7th grade that I started reading everything I could on, like, skin and clear skin. And I was out. Same thing. I was just willing to try anything. Right. Anything. Um, anything to have clear skin. <laughs> anything. I mean, it was just, you know, and it was, like, I felt like I was the only one that was suffering like I was. And, then I went through phases you know so I, I cut out like high fat things and I cut out cheese kind of realizing that well that's something that causes acne but I'd eat like tcby you know fat free mm-hmm. sugar-free frozen yogurt and, and thinking I was eating something that wouldn't have an effect on my skin or um so I just did it I, I was always I trying but never really getting good information I did antibiotics in high school for like a year that probably messed my gut up I never took I never probiotics after and I've always kind of struggled with irritable balls until recently. And um, it just, yes, tried so many different things. I mean, I'd always be reading and books and stuff, and then I'd try whatever they said, and nothing ever worked. Um, and yogurt and cottage cheese were probably the last things to go, probably like six years, seven years ago probably is when I finally just kind of really got Gary out. And I didn't notice I mean, I still have struggled with my skin, and I think it's been recently when I've kind of got my gut healed up too, um, taken some good probiotics, um, got the high gluten grains out of my diet. I've, you know, recently just kind of, or in the past year, probably stopped eating soy foods. Um, that I feel like my skin is really a lot easier to maintain. Um, It's not such a big worry anymore. That's Um, great. And I'm glad
0: you brought up the gluten and the soy too, because that's something that I found with a lot of people who have like long-term skin issues of all kinds. doesn't necessarily have to be acne, but that gluten and soy can sometimes be um, triggers for their skin, even if it's not, doesn't bother their digestive system. And so when people tell me they're still having skin issues and they're eating, you know, plant perfect, they're eating a plant-based diet with no oils and low fat that's to try the limiting of the wheat and the, you know, the gluten in the soy and it clears their skin up. I'm so glad to hear that worked for you. Of course, our meal plans are always gluten free and soy free. So if you're following them, it's not an issue, but um, that's awesome. I'm really glad you yeah. brought that up.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, it annoys me that I don't eat those because there's so much stigma around them. And I don't mm. feel like they're an unhealthy food for, for most people, I guess. Most people can tolerate that. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't think that they're something that like, everyone should avoid right completely but um for me it seems like as far as my gut goes and my skin goes um I feel like I think clearer without so clear. like I noticed I noticed a really big difference wow I felt like something was wrong with me like I, I always felt tired I Interesting. Just felt like kind of in a fog and I was just like something's wrong with me like and I felt that for a period of I mean like a long time and when I completely cut out the soy milk because it was something that I was having consistently, and I love soy, I yeah, love soy milk, I love soy ice cream, I love tofu, I love tempeh. I mean, every I, I enjoy those foods, and but when I cut them out, I the fog cleared. Yeah, and I noticed. Mm-hmm. It. So it was like interesting, but recently um I was really trying to just be really strict and with you know even the fatty plant foods, really keeping those to a bare minimum. Um, really, you know, getting the nut butters and the nuts and the avocados and oil, you know, and oil, especially, but really being really conscious about it. And I have noticed a big difference. I mean, it's been, it's only probably been a couple of months that I've been that strict where I'm just like, okay, Adrian, like you've never really <laughs> done this like a hundred percent, you know, really got those things out. And then, and then focusing on, you know, whole foods. Right. So, yeah.
0: And I know I feel the same way too, but like you said, it's they can be a healthy food for everyone and not be right for you. I'm allergic to broccoli. I think broccoli is one of the most healthiest foods you can eat, and it's actually really tasty. Unfortunately, it does not work for me and my body, and I just I can't have broccoli, but of course... You know, and so that's an interesting thing for a lot of people to find out too. And especially if you are having sort of like a weird thing, like you said, you feel like you're in a fog or you're tired or something, it can sometimes be helpful to do an elimination diet and, you know, eat real basic, real plain to see if you can find if there are these things that just like you said, for whatever reason, your skin doesn't like it, your gut doesn't like it, your brain doesn't like it. Um it's just it's a it's a weird weird thing and America bread really bothers me for some reason but I could eat you know two baguettes a day in France and that's processed white bread and it doesn't bother me at all but then I come here and I don't know if it's like an emulsifier that we use or something that's on the the growing of the plant I don't know it's just it's a it's a funny thing and one of our members cannot eat potatoes from the store but grows them in her own yard with no problems so it's it's a funny thing our bodies are really everybody really does have some uniqueness when it comes down to the gut and the skin and our minds.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So. That's important. So we'll see,
0: yeah. To it's like sort good. of, and I'm sure you see that all the time as a dietitian. You're like, oh well, yeah, it's it's. it's we do some it. interesting substitutions. Corn. I also see. I find, especially with the newer generations of children, a lot of moms are telling me corn doesn't sit right with their kids, and so it's it's curious. Mm-hmm. It is
1: so. It's kind of. It's kinda of hard sometimes to find out what <laughs> what could be triggering it when there's so many foods yeah that are altered.
0: Oh, and one thing I wanted to before I forgot to say when we were talking about overeating before I'm going backwards, um, is that, you know, fat, sugar and salt are all really highly addictive and they make us want to eat more and they make us crave more of it too. And then of course, processed foods have all of those three magic, you know, punch combinations there, which is why sometimes they're called magic foods. And so those will really trigger you for overeating. So if you are overeating or having trouble with overeating, really watch the, uh, the sugar, fat and the salt because it'll just make you want to, have more of it because of the mouthfeel and um, I just read this really amazing study on chocolate where after like the first bite the second bite isn't as good as the first bite and the third isn't as good as and so forth and then um, and after three three bites it's almost lost to what we end up doing is what, um, heroin addicts call chasing the dragon is that, uh, people who do heroin are always trying to get back to their first high, but that also happens to us with chocolate and highly, you know, palatable food like sugar is that none of subsequent taste tastes as good as the first taste. So oftentimes we keep eating it cause we'll want it tastes good, but also cause we want it to taste as good as it did the first time. And so I just wanted to ask real quick, if you ever had an experience like that with like your, um, dates and chocolate and all that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true. Um, that, you know, it tastes really good at first and then it's like, you just keep eating it and eating it and eating it. It's not as good. It's not as satisfying as that first little bit. And and even just taking a, like two bites of something sweet after meal, it's helpful for me to like end it and feel satisfied. But if I keep eating it, oh, it forget it. anymore. <laughs> yeah. You just keep going, going. You know, and I was going to mention too about the salt. Um, I like to flavor my food well and, and, and salt and one the things I do. But I notice the difference between when I salt some, you know, quinoa broccoli salad or, you know, something like that um, versus, like, when I eat, you know, baked Tostitos. Right, but, like, right. I, the baked Tostitos are really salty, and I, I do have a hard time stopping eating those. It's more of a processed salty food versus, like, if I just salt some healthy food, you know. Right, absolutely. Or something.
0: And also, I find a difference where I no longer cook with salt, but sometimes I'll sprinkle a little on top, and I find that makes a big difference in my consumption too.
1: Yeah, not yeah, not adding it while you're cooking. Adding that just a little bit on top for your taste buds to hit. Versus right.
0: Like and I do the yeah. same with sugar. I tell my clients who can't um, like they are like, "Oh, oatmeal's oh, so gross by itself. I can't eat it without something." I'm like, "Well, just spr- sprinkle a little brown sugar on top. Don't swirl it yeah. in." And it seems to make a big difference for them too. And our, our final one, our big one, you live in Alaska, which is so amazing <laughs> and so crazy. But, I mean, I, people are always like, oh, I live in this place. No, there's no other vegans. If, I, if there's any place where I feel like people might look at you sideways for e- eating broccoli slaw, I think it would be Alaska. So why don't you tell us just a, a quick bit about what it's like living in a place where, you know, maybe you are the only one who's eating in this healthy fashion. Oh,
1: my goodness. Fairbanks is a, a, a different place world (laughs) literally it's a different world um and and, you know fruits and vegetables are more expensive up here like we do have a pretty good variety um usually although like just recently a truck got delayed or wasn't able to make it up and it's like the shelves are bare oh yeah i dealt with that on the
0: island when i lived in the caribbean oh yeah with hurricanes planes can come in oh it's awful
1: it's crazy and you're just like, whoa, there's like no fresh food. But um, yeah, and it is a challenge up here. I mean, people think you're crazy if you don't eat meat and teaching that up here is something more of a challenge because um, I've been up here for like seven years now. Um, there's a lot of hunting and fishing and traditionally like lifestyle, lifestyle and a plant-based um, diet is quite foreign to a lot of people. People are pretty proud of their hunting skills and, like, getting their moose from the freezer for their family kind of thing for <laughs> right. the winter. Um, and they also seem to think that because it's wild meat that, you know, wild meat is better than store-bought meat, but it's like they tend to believe that it's fine and to be eating it and it's not a problem. And, um, the only problem is people who eat wild meat tend to not only just eat wild meat, <laughs> they tend to have right. so. But um, definitely, um, a different mindset up here, and it is challenging in the winter. And I do miss that fresh stuff. And a lot of times, like all of our bananas in the store will be green. I mean, they just have to get them up here when right. fruit is not ripe, so that it doesn't it doesn't perish as fast. So, you know, it's been it's been interesting, and um, it's good. The nice thing about the summers are long, when there's tons of sunlight, so you can grow nice big gardens, and a lot of people oh, do lovely. gardens. Yeah, so that's really nice. We grow these monster cabbage and broccoli and um, things grow really well. So, um, that is good. And, and so it's been interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think younger generations of, um, of Native people here are more open and receptive to hearing about a plant-based diet. And, um, yeah, there's this, it, it's hit or miss, I guess, with people, but, I think people are starting to hear it more. We have a cardiologist at the hospital here in town that, that teaches a plant-based diet. They're connected with him, that's really awesome. The you your office looks, also, so we're just getting more of that um, up here. And that's great. That's wonderful. We're hearing it more, so
0: hopefully, yeah. And you're spreading the word too. So, yeah. Is yeah. there anything that you like? Any kind of maybe saying or like? Comeback that you might have, or um, maybe even something you just tell yourself. If someone's negative to you, that maybe you could share for someone who might find themselves in a similar situation, where like they're in a big hunting town and people are kind of teasing them or putting them putting down their way of life.
1: Oh my goodness! I need, I think I need to just suggest- because <laughs> <laughs> my like my family, you know, my brother-in-law's big. He harasses me all the time. <laughs> yeah let's see here what do I I don't know what I say um there come back yeah um I mean nothing um tastes as good as being healthy feels yes I
0: love that one
1: <laughs> you know it's like um eating all that stuff and maybe it tastes good but I know like you know like even my brother-in-law who harasses me always I'm, like, I'm gonna pick on him <laughs> but You know, he's got reflux and and he's a young man and stuff. So it's like all this, you know, he's, you know, struggles with his weight and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, in the end, I don't feel like it's worth it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: And I I feel like it's such a good point. I have a a lot of hunters in my family too. And my family is, is pretty good with me, um, especially now because, you know, my husband and my sister and my parents have all converted to a plant-based diet after my dad had a heart attack, but, um, My family, you know, they will sometimes pick on me or tease me or make fun of us. And it's, it's always the people who have health problems which is what I always find funny. And it's, there's no way I can kind of point that out to them without seeming like a big jerk. But that's what I'm thinking in my mind. I'm like, well, you know, you're the one that's got, you know, 20 pills to take in the morning. But yeah, for me, I always tell myself, especially when I'm like staring down a cinnamon, a cinnamon bun, which is, was one of my weaknesses is like, Oh, nothing tastes as good as healthy feels, which is true. Cause I know I'm going to feel absolutely awful after I eat that. And, um, when, when my family picks on me, I kind of am like, you know, that's about me. I'm the one that has to live with myself and my choices and how I feel every day, and I choose to feel good. And well, that's, that's,
1: that's funny. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. The funny thing is, too, that um, just recently, uh, one of my patients went to see a doctor, and he was like, oh, he, she said he gave me high regards, but that he also said, oh, she's a vegetarian. Or something like that, kind of trying to write off that, like that. I was teaching just what I believed, kind of thing, like mm. trying to push push my beliefs on other people. And it's like, it's like the nurses that you know, kind of like the nurses that tell you not to smoke or the doctors tell you not to smoke or something, and then are out smoking on it. Right, business. right, yeah. It's like, why would I do that? Why would I know what the best information is? What I feel like is going to be the best for you know, decreasing disease and living long and healthy but not do it myself. So it's just funny the pe- things, the excuses people use to write it off. Um, oh, well she's you know, isn't she a vegetarian or something like, isn't that yeah. like teaching
0: that? Yeah. So, they always yeah. try to like, yeah, it's like defensiveness or something. I don't know. It's, it's funny, but yeah, it's like really, you're going to yell at me for recommending someone eats more vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so awful. I told you to eat broccoli. <laughs> Well, it has been so fun. I know you and I could talk all day forever and ever and ever because we email forever and ever and ever. But it's been so awesome having you on and I hope you'll come and join the podcast again sometime. I hope everyone listening finds a lot of value in our sharing and that's what this podcast is all about is creating this place where we can talk about all of these challenges and roadblocks we face, because I don't think that we're alone. And as Adrienne and I have attested, our stories were similar and she lives in Alaska and I lived very far away from her. And, uh, you know, we still had these same challenges. So talk about it. So this was the meal mentor podcast. If you want to learn more about the meal plans, you can go to getmealplans.com. And again, a big thanks, Adrienne, for joining us. Have a great day, everyone.